Yes, I have guards around the grain. I have guards around the Klingons. I can't believe you don't at least want to meet Captain Kirk. That's the last thing on my mind. Oh, come on, Benjamin. Are you telling me you're not the tiniest bit interested in meeting one of the most famous men in Starfleet history? We have a job to do. But it's, it's James Kirk. Welcome, everyone, to Star Trek Essentials. My name is Matt, and join me, as always, is Pete. Hello, Pete. Hello, Matt. Hello, everyone, here today to talk about the most requested uh, Star Trek episode for Star Trek Essentials here, Deep Space Nine's Trials and Tribulations. Definitely a wonderful, wonderful episode as we look at these first 50 years of Star Trek. Talk about the very, very best. Pete, it's an episode that itself talks about some of the very best while being one of the very best. It's it's very, I was going to say self-referential, but I was usually when you say that, you're kind of being a little uh, figurative. This is literally self-referential Star Trek. Yeah, and in the best possible ways, and it definitely dawned on me. It's it's hard to escape right now the 50th anniversary of Star Trek that we are in right now. This done in the 30th year of Star Trek, 1996. Uh, the, the episode aired November 4th, 1996. It was uh, the fifth season, episode six of Deep Space Nine. It was the most watched of that season. I remember back in 96 as they were making it, seeing segments on uh, Entertainment Tonight, uh, talking about the homage, uh, everything that was going on there, and uh, very, very well received, nominated even for three Emmys and a Hugo, even though it did not garner any of them. Well, for for the uninitiated, let's just give a quick little summary here of the episode. Then we'll uh, we'll dive into some of that uh, behind the scenes stuff. So we start out aboard Deep Space Nine, where Captain Benjamin Sisko is being questioned by the Department of Temporal Investigations. Uh, two agents, Dolmer and Luxy. More on them in a little bit. Uh, that then provides you the frame device through which you find out that the USS Defiant was sent back in time. Because Bajoran Orb of Time also, and I mean this in the best sense, hand of the writer to send us back in time to where to the classic Star Trek episode, The Trouble with Tribbles, uh, by using the powers of, uh, you know, computer far scumpification, we get to have the Deep Space Nine crew interacting with uh, the, uh, the classic Trek crew using old footage and new footage and all that mixed together. The bad guy remaining the same. Arnie Darvin, a Klingon agent who looks like a human. Uh, he's he's back in older form, back in past uh, in the past with everyone else, causing trouble again this time. And uh, Pete, darned if it doesn't end up all working out for the good crew of the USS Enterprise and the crew of Deep Space Nine. When our listeners and followers and friends had been contacting us to do this, I'd have to say it was probably already on a personal short list that so many people far and away told us, hey, you need to do this episode. Only confirms how well it sits with people 20 years after it aired and 50 years into this franchise. It is, it is a, a love letter in the absolute 
fest since. And, you know, you, you talked about the MacGuffin, the Bajoran Orb of Time, which was not known before this episode and never mentioned again. Um, and it works. And to the point, and this is in in no way a criticism because this is an episode that is is that love letter to Star Trek. It has it out on its sleeve. This mechanism of the Bajoran Orb of Time that causes so much trouble in the beginning, where it's, it sends them back in time, and it's like it's literally like with voiceover, Cisco says, "And luckily, we did Bajoran Orb of Time and got home again, and now we're home." If if I have a complaint. If I have a complaint about the episode, it's the lack of use of uh, Major Kira, Nana Vister. Um, one, because they wrote her pregnancy, uh, real life pregnancy, the father being, of course, um, Alexander Siddig, um, that, that they sit her out and that uh, they sit her out because she's the Bajoran and, hey, She's got to sit in the captain's chair on the Defiant and mind the Bajoran Orb of Time. Dax gets to, you know, wear the uniform and see Kirk and, you know, make eyes at Spock and 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 have the fun. Nana Vister didn't get to have any fun. You can have fun when you're pregnant. Well, let's talk a little bit about the the trivia for this episode and normally i would say oh let's sprinkle trivia throughout or do it at the end but the conception of this episode they wanted to do something 30th anniversary related came down from the studio uh went through a couple different options and pretty quickly uh, when the tech department said we can do this forrest gump thing on a tv level yeah it might be expensive and and later people have said that this was the most expensive hour of television ever um, I don't know if that I was certainly at the time um, by the time he got through with special effects and special sets and paying all the people who appear in the classic Trek episode that then appear in this episode, paying them those residuals. But this initial idea came up to do to do return to trouble with tribbles. And apparently the two writers, Ron Moore and uh, Renee Echevarria, were sitting in a Beverly Hills pizzeria as they were discussing this episode and who walks in but actor charlie brill who plays played arnie darvin and that's when they knew this must be fate here god is a deep space nine fan i believe one of them would would, would later go on to say certainly tongue-in-cheek um and they even weren't sure if they should talk to him because of the whole agent aspect of it but they they spoke to him nonetheless and that's when they knew if you can get charlie brill to play arnie darvin now you have something Yes, I was aware of this story, um, having watched it as a, an extra on uh, one of the DVDs uh, a couple of years ago as I was going through my sequential start-to-finish watch of all of Star Trek. And uh, yeah, I think just in, in, inherent in the writing process, you, you're going to have those discussions, what would we love to do, and the kismet that the guy walked in the door one other fun little bit of uh, trivia here. The temporal time agents Dolmer and Luxy are named in order to be anagrams or near anagrams of agents Mulder and Scully. Um, and in fact, one of them says we're looking for the truth. So uh, it's just Pete. It's just 1990s Star Trek love X-Files love. It's God is a Deep Space Nine fan. It's just it's just all there. I was unaware of the anagrams. Uh, to me, Matt, it smacks of Time Cop. 
wow pete they uh they are time cops indeed uh so i guess with that let's let's dive into the episode proper here um an episode for which new models were built new sets were built oh wait there was there was one more little uh um uh trivia piece i wanted to mention here one of there there was someone involved uh with next generation who had gone on to the movies uh one of the production design people who happened to walk into the d space nine offices the day that they were looking at the old plans for the 1960s enterprise and saw that the plans were wrong they had the wrong dimensions for the hallway and he just happened to know that because of something or other and um the 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 quip is if he had not walked in at that moment they would have built the sets at the wrong scale or the hallways (laughs) at the wrong size that kind of thing i know that um Walter Koenig to uh, helped to show members of the cast how to play with the buttons on the displays the way they were instructed to do it in the time in which the original was filmed. So the, the sheer amount of detail, intentional and accidental, that went into this episode. Uh, and again, always with its tongue planted against the cheek with the best possible uh direction that they did this absolutely and i think that's even in the storytelling i i can't think offhand of another um another star trek episode i'm sure that there i'm sure there have been star trek episodes with what i'm about to point out but i can't think of another one where it's told via narration in in past tense essentially yes we have the captain's logs and all that but this kind of pull up a chair and let me tell you this story um it's there to speed things along and normally narration is the sign of you know a little bit of laziness um in the writing but here it's just they know that we want to get to our dessert here so as we mentioned before uh, we're gonna go to Cardassia. we're gonna get the bajoran orb of time oh we're gonna pick up this this guy oh this guy it turns out you know has activated the bajoran orb of time they in the course of a commercial break are you know are, are are finding out what his plan must have been he wants to go back and change time back to this this famous story it's uh deep space station k7 the the trouble tribbles station and it probably doesn't take more than the teaser act and the first act to kind of get to the meat of the episode which is deep space nine meets classic track it's such a product of its time. And again, I mean that in a good way in that, you know, here comes the technology in 1994 on a film scale to edit current uh, talent into old movie or even TV clips. And now we're doing it on a TV level. Um, we're doing it into a beloved episode. And is it any surprise that doing that into the older loved episode makes this one doubly so? And I mean, it is just astonishing that this is two years after Forrest Gump. And that, so the, the technology is that new. Um, and then, But that's forever in Hollywood at the same time. <laughs> I mean, now, now, I should say two years post movie to then be doing it on TV. Yeah. That was a quick turnaround. And it's certainly, I mean, I guess credit to 
credit to Paramount for wanting to spend the money to 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 make this special. Um, I think particularly recognizing that that while Star Trek Voyager did its own 30th anniversary episode, because they were all the way over there in the other quadrant, you couldn't do something that was as as hands on as this. So so this was going to be home base for for doing something special for the 30th anniversary. So so shell out the money. By the way, Pete, uh, just want to point out another little trivia thing here. Um, part of where the money went to, it went to, uh, I believe it's called Lincoln Enterprises, uh, which is a, a company that owned a whole bunch of Tribbles. Gee whiz, Pete, Lincoln Enterprises, owned by Majel Barrett, and uh, was formed by Gene Roddenberry to basically be a company with which you can make money from Star Trek. Hey, I mean, listen, the Paramount saved the money by taking the technology from their movie division and applying it to their TV division. All right, that Star Trek people had a hand in them using props or memorabilia. Stuff happens, man. So just in terms of moving through the plot here, um, first of all, it's amazing how well uh, actor Charlie Brill has aged these these 30 years. Yeah. Um, and fun fact about him, he and his wife, by the way, they've been married since 1960. How's that for a, for a Hollywood marriage for you? Um, they did some kind of um, uh, husband and wife duo. They were on Ed Sullivan the night that the Beatles were on. So this is a guy, he's been in Star Trek. He's, he's been on the same program as the Beatles. He shared a dressing room with John Lennon. This is and this is a guy who walks into a pizzeria the right day in 1996 as they're putting this episode uh, pen to paper and they go, hey, it's Charlie Brill. Let's make this happen. Could there be two more 60s moments than Ed Sullivan on, uh, you know, I'm sorry, than the Beatles on Ed Sullivan and, uh, you know, Star Trek as a phenomenon, <laughs> a, a meteor across the sky in the late 60s? Yeah, and this and this guy ties them all together, Pete. He's the linchpin of of 1960s pop culture. That will be on his uh, tombstone. So, Pete, in the rewatching of this episode, I then went back and watched uh, Trouble with Tribbles, and the attention to production design for the Enterprise and for uh, Station K Seven it is insane. It yes. is really, really well done in terms the color palette which could not have been easy to replicate um as you mentioned before the physical spaces even to produce where the tribbles are coming from when the storage container is opened up later that there's a tremendous overhead shot of the grain bin where we reveal not a bomb strapped to a Tribble, but the Trib bomb, as I call it, um, which is not beeping naked gun style or anything like that. It's it's just a brown furry one that we menacingly close up on. Um, <laughs> just <laughs> really, really sells. We are in that world. We're in Kirk's world. He of the 17 separate temporal violations that menace uh apparently they hired uh the episode of the director uh or the director of the episode rather jonathan west apparently they hired him because he had some experience with with 
uh, 1960s lenses or, or something on his resume made them say, you can shoot this like the old show. And if you look at scenes like um, when uh, when O'Brien and Bashir are in the turbo lift, mm-hmm. uh, the, the couple of scenes that, that, that they're in there, they're kind of it's what nowadays or 1990s it, it's kind of a little bit overlit it's a little bit starkly lit yeah. you can see shadow one and shadow two that each guy has because they have two heavy lights on them and nothing that's kind of you know there's they're, they're not they're not nuancing the the shadows away or whatever and it just looks it's not just the set construction which is spot on it's not just the fact that they've they've replicated these costumes and put them in 60s style hair but then the fact that they're lighting it and apparently making lens choices and camera choices that are evocative of the of the old show it, it's it's an absolute home run much was made leading up to this episode and and actually had to happen again come enterprise i don't know if you're aware of this matt not having watched much of that show the klingon controversy the ridges with Worf and Klingons we have known since uh, Star Trek The Motion Picture and the ridgeless appearance of Klingons in the original series and of the Klingon here, uh, Mr. Mr. Waddle, uh, also Mr. Mr. Darwin, you know, the o- overlap there. He, he is a Klingon, um, not clear, surgically altered, doesn't have the ridges because he's a Klingon and they've just paled his skin, whatever it is. But they later had to revisit this because of the, Oh yeah, we don't talk about it with outsiders. To me. Well, let me, let me put this in context of, of where I was in 1996 as a Star Trek viewer. I, I had, I had grown up with next generation and i'm sure we've had uh versions of this discussion on on the star trek portion of the podcast before but i kind of wasn't a full-time deep space nine fan certainly tuned in for this but little things like oh they don't need to come up with an explanation that's just that's just that's just dumb so the fact that they're discussing it as opposed to leaving it alone i remember at the time it was just like it was almost sacrilege. Um, I have not seen the Enterprise episodes that, that get into uh, get into the uh, genetic goings on of why the classic Trek Klingons look the way they do. But in this episode, it just works. It just works to say we're having fun. This is a light episode. We're doing amazing things, marrying these two shows together. Um, the the best answer is we don't talk about it, and that's it, and move on. A long story within a longer story. <laughs> that it is. Uh, I know that the the bar brawl scene uh, is one worth discussing. Apparently, they spent a ton of time shooting that scene, not because a bar brawl is difficult, but because they needed to shoot these little corners to fit into the pre-existing episode. Um, and I can't imagine what that must have been like to know that you're just doing these little little bits and corners here, and it, it adds to the extra work of. I'm shooting a TV show. It might have on TV again with less money, um, with less intensity in terms of the equipment. And I'll explain that if, if you're not aware that the film process and the film stock for TV, at least then 
was uh, dramatically different than uh, movies. Here we go to make it that I have to do a double take. Is that actually uh, Walter Koenig in 1966 or is this a double because of how well they've married the material tells you what a good job they did across the board that that marrying of pieces it's incredible to watch i would be interested to see what the result of um an hd uh i won't quite say restoration but were they to were they to do an hd version of deep space nine as they have for the for next generation i'm sure that this would be almost as problematic taking it apart and putting it back together again um but the way it looks now, at least on Netflix, with its uh, standard definition quality, I, I mean, you you can't see mistakes. You can't see mat lines. You can't see, I mean, even, my goodness, when Kirk is chewing out the crew for getting into that yeah. bar fight, the, 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 the shadow that he places uh, on, uh, it's either O'Brien or Bashir, I think it's O'Brien, the shadow on O'Brien's face, I mean, it's there in the original for the guy who's not O'Brien, but... They've got, they've somehow matched up the shadow movement here, so it looks convincing, and it doesn't for a split second look out of place. If only you mentioned the timing. There, there's a timing issue with what's perceived as dialogue between them that's a beat too quick to set it off. But again, we're supposed to know that he's standing in for somebody else. So again, you let it go. Yeah, I think there are a few moments where if you're really looking with a uh, with a, uh, a magnifying glass, you can see how they're quickly cutting between between footage, probably because they don't have a ton. Like, they probably don't have the original, um, like, Negative. unedited uh, f- footage. Uh, whereas, I think for Next Generation, a lot of the unedited stuff they had. So, when they did the restoration, they could go back and just kind of edit it the way it was, but you had all the pieces unmixed so that you could take it all apart and, you know, and, and clean it up and, and all that jazz. Um, even that, I mean, it's just, it, it's, it's magical to behold. So if those are the, if those are the biggest quibbles that we have, so be it. The quibbles about tribbles. Wow. Matt, a, a absolute highlight of a highlight episode for me with, uh, trials and tribulations is, Terry Farrell and what a pity that this woman is, is not active in Hollywood anymore uh, for a variety of reasons. But I think this episode squares up why in a, in a character who has lived several lifetimes through the nature of the, the trail race, the, the symbiont, everything like that, that she had lived in this time that she had used the, this technology that she had met these characters, you know, she's, she's seeing Spock for the first time. She's got a crush. Her other past life had interacted with McCoy, the hands of a surgeon. And the only scene we get to see, um, DeForest Kelly, uh, in, in, in this episode, it's wonderful. And can we talk, you know, I I don't want to be sexist, but how she fills out that uniform. Well, she's the one that notes that uniforms uh, for women back 
back then in the back then of, of their time and all that uh, were smaller and um, yeah, no, no, no complaints. I could definitely, uh, I could say that much Pete to the point where they use her in the hunched over ensign, um, you know, with the duty roster, I know Cisco hands the, the duty roster later and has the moment with, with Kirk, but she's standing in for another actress in the original show with the body language and everything with the, with the wink. And, and that's what this is. This is a total wink at its audience done with nothing but love. So it's very hard to have nothing but love for this episode. Well, and, and speaking of love, I, uh, there are two, I, I hesitate to use the word adult because that, that oversells it, but there are two, two, two moments I think resonate a bit more with adult members of the audience. One you mentioned when she's talking about, uh, as a former, uh, you know, in one of her former, uh, bodies as a, as a trill there, how she had met McCoy and, and just the way she says, I knew he'd be a doctor. And it's <laughs> a surgeon. The, a, yeah, the hands well, of a surgeon. Well, she, first, she says doctor. And then I think we as the audience are ahead, you know, playing doctor, all that. And, and Cisco kind of doesn't quite get it. And that's when she says hands of a surgeon. And it's like, oh, my. Um, and then the business with uh, with Bashir and O'Brien, but more Bashir, um, continuing to meet uh, to meet the young woman in the transporter. Yes. And how Watley. Bashir. What's the name? Watley. Ah, Lieutenant yes. Watley, his great grandmother, who again he suspects. We have they don't look up and they don't need to hammer at home. It's it's the possibility. This is the core of what Star Trek is that this could be this predestination paradox that he could be his own great grandfather if he doesn't meet her for the physical. Hey man, it's it's 23rd century. It's you're a doctor on a starship. I just transferred to this starship. I'm a doctor. You can play doctor. It's okay. And check me out. And it, it could turn into something else. And you might be your own great grandfather. And I just love how he's trying to talk himself into the importance that he goes, he goes to go meet with her and to go, to go see what happens. And you can see O'Brien like, well, but, but the mission, but the mission and uh, Bashir just really wants to uh, he wants to, to go make that happen. The coda, Matt, of course, occurs after the time cops leave and uh, <laughs> Tribbles, which had been uh, wiped out by the Klingons through this construction of the plot, have been brought back to Deep Space Nine. And we hadn't gotten uh, Lakewood, New Jersey's own Armin Shimmerman in this episode uh, would have would have worked perfectly in the 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 bar on K seven. Okay, you get them back here. Quartz is now overrun with Tribbles. They live. The Klingons didn't take them out. And it's a wonderful echo of the original episode where, towards the end, you have the bartender silently in a long shot, just surrounded by Tribbles and a couple on his head. Um, to repeat that here, um, to get the sighing dialogueless quark it's a warm and fuzzy way to end a warm and fuzzy episode about warm and fuzzy creatures so pete if we haven't covered it already what is it that makes this an essential episode of star trek use of past characters the storyline the sets the integration of it 
and and that wink nod and our absolute nod when we watch it of this is what came before we value i mean listen not every episode looking back could you possibly have done this with um you know the the, the cutesy element of the tribbles is completely matched by the deep space nine crew's affinity for this time this situation this story and as we get closer and closer to Star Trek returning to television, let's hope that those words are heated, uh, remembering where the franchise has come from and remembering its past and, and connecting to it without ever uh, being beholden to the past, but certainly uh, using that to, to branch forward with, with new stories and new crews and new ships, etc. So It's so funny that you mentioned that because as I watched, you know, the the unfolding of you know, this was a 30th anniversary episode. We're in the 50th anniversary next year. We'll begin this, this new chapter with the new show. It was going through my head, you know, could, could we wind up in a, in a situation where they, they try to use this tech, albeit on a, on a current level to, to go back into a next generation or whatever it is. Time travel has always been to the point where toward the end of the run of, what was it 18 years and and so many different series on the air at one point contiguously from 87 through uh 2005 time travel had been done to death you know at some point space and time being as intertwined as they are it, it's going to come back up you know w- will we see such an an episode done again Pete, let me let me pitch this to you. Okay? okay, the new Star Trek show does an episode called "The Troubles with Trials and Tribulations," <laughs> in which they go back. In which here's what they do: they go back and they get actors Jack Blessing and James W. Jansen to reprise their roles as Dolmer and Luxie. Okay, and they put them on trial. They, exactly, and and they get the new sh- the, 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 they get the new ship and the new show to somehow they're involved and then they're back at deep space nine and they're actually they're undercover on the defiant as the defiant goes back in time and now it's just layers on top of layers and the snake is eating its tail and And the snake hasn't eaten its own tail it has actually had its own tail beamed inside itself and then slingshotted around the sun (laughs) with the bajoran orb of time (laughs) indeed pete it's about time to bring back the bajoran orb of time can we all agree on that yeah. Well, Pete, what we can also agree on is that it's great fun to talk to you on the Twitter. So how can people do so? You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R-8000-1. Thirty-four followers. Can't be wrong. And while I am personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, you can be in touch with the podcast in a whole host of ways. We are Fantastic Geek. That's fantastic with the P and the H. And you can find us under that name on the .com, the Gmail, the Twitter, the Instagram, and more. Facebook.com forward slash Fantastic Geek, all one word with the P-H. Go to Warp Speed over there today. Click like, and we will always be in your hailing frequencies. Well, Pete, we will be back next week to talk more Star Trek. What's the next destination? It's a mystery. It'll be revealed next week. So until then, I will say adios. What would you like to say, Pete? 
I'm detecting a massive surge of chroniton radiation. <laughs> <laughs>